I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, my A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become a hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. Oh my gosh, it is sci-fi November. I am so excited. Not not just on this show, by the way. Like It's just for me personally. So I won't bore you with details, but you know what I will bless you with? Nay, blow your mind with. Maybe change your life with? It's getting ambitious, but we're going to go with that. It's just the way this show goes, and we're going to rock it. So what's really, really amazing today is coming back from the winter time. Has it really been that long? So we're is it really? Yeah. Well, I mean, coming out it's of winter, winter. Coming are, out of winter. You are Miss Ice. I am Miss Ice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you recognize me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I recognize your voice. I know you. All right, kids, wow. tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Miss Ice is coming. <laughs> and we mean the person and not the ice storm that, you know, may or may not befall your city. Ah, yeah. Well, we had our little, you know, snowfall of a half an inch. It went from 76 degrees to 30 in a matter of hours. Snow to half an inch and then warm back up. Happy Halloween, people. I just, I just love weather. It's just so funny. It's it's like it's like that personality you can't ever nail down. Yes, especially in Colorado too. I mean, you have no idea what the heck it's going to do. It's similar for you guys, right? Yeah, we have very extreme weather. I'm in Minnesota. The mountains like give you guys a lot of really insane circumstances. We we are at least consistent about the insanity. You guys just like have sporadic <laughs> insanity that you can't. I guess you kind of know it's coming too. Yes, they're they're pretty good about predicting it nowadays. You never really know for sure. But um, yeah, it's it, like, for example, the storm we just had this just this last weekend, it went from, like I said, that 76 to 30, but it was kind of a, a the, the nor'easter. The nor'easter. You know? Yeah, it was yeah. coming from the northeast and it's freaking cold. Just that yeah. chilly wind. So, yeah, it, I don't know. But you're right. Can you, I think with the can mountains. Can you reliably say that it is below zero between uh, mid-December and mid-February? No, I mean, it could oh. be. Okay, we typically because we're, get, we're pretty consistent on that. Like, it'll be at least zero or below mid-December to mid-February. So Minnesota's a good place for your personality. It really is, isn't it? Yeah, and Colorado's perfect so for mine. <laughs> See, guys, sneak attack learning. <laughs> yes, oh, we're going to... I, I got to share this thing with you in a minute, but you know what? It's Friday. Thank God it's... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is awesome. Hello, Friday. I'm Nero. Hello, Friday. Hello. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. That's it. I'm done. No more music. Okay, thanks. That's it. Yeah. And isn't that, isn't that gloriously heinous? Oh, I'm, I'm just I'm just so glad I was able to be a part of that. Yeah. I'm sure you are. I mean, you're a part I, of it every single week listening, but now you get to be a part of it talking. I know. The, the funniest part is that I listen so consistently because I write the blog posts. And so I feel more often than not that I'm actually part of the conversation, even though I'm not. You really are, though, because you... you <laughs> put your conversation in it's almost like you know when two people are talking the other person just kind of butts in it's kind of <laughs> like that 
Oh, well, thanks, man. <laughs> Wait, I'm totally kidding. Oh, totally kidding. No, I, I love the fact that you write those those blog posts. I get so much. It's so funny because like, you know, we go and do the show and then I go and read your blog post and it's like, I don't know. It's like Christmas all over again. It really is. <laughs> thanks, man. Oh, okay, so what is new with you? Oh, man, I have to tell you. I finally got my new bed oh. and new, not new in general, but just new to me. And dude, this bed is like a giant bear that just like has wrapped me in its arms and sucked me into the abyss of sleep. Mm. And it's just, it's amazing. It's like transforming my sleeping experience. That sounds it's, amazing. It's almost a spiritual experience. So is this like one of those beds where you lay in it? You just keep going deeper and deeper and like all of a sudden you can't get out. Well, I don't know whether it actually does that, but it, that's what it does to my mind. Oh. And I've been sleeping on a twin bed. That's not right. <laughs> Nothing against sleeping on twin beds when you have to, but I sleep spread eagle. I need my space and I, <laughs> and I roll around a lot. It was just really hard to get used to sleeping on it and getting really good sleep. And I just haven't slept like this in so long <laughs> that it's just rocking. It's like rocking it. <laughs> from, a, from a sleeping sleep I like that isn't sleep just so amazing it's so important it is and it's yeah. funny how like when when you haven't been sleeping well and then you start sleeping well it's you're more tired for a little bit and then it starts to even out and that's kind of where I am I'm getting such great sleep that I'm more tired throughout the day but I know that it's going to shift because I just need to do this consistently now it's like a whole new world it is it is a whole new. And I'm so I, glad you understand. <laughs> I was going to sing the song, but then I'm like, no, oh, no. <laughs> oh, that was one of those place. I never knew. Those were one of those. Uh, let me paint you a picture here for a second here. A word picture. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just sit down and, and relax with me for a minute here. So when I was younger, my cousin who was even younger was into Aladdin. And when Aladdin came out, she had to watch that. I don't know. Let's let's just go with 50 times a day because, you know, I love to tell exact truth. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate the accuracy. Yeah, exactly. And they were staying with us. And that movie was on, like I said, multiple times a day for the entire week. And I heard that song over and over and over and oh, and the Jafar song. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that, that <sighs> movie has. Um, let's just say that I have tormented memories of that song. That's how so many of those movies from our childhoods are. There are pieces of them that are so pure and so wonderful. But when you start thinking about it too hard, you start to associate it with all of these things that you never realized you were associating it with. Yeah. And especially with those songs. Well, I, <laughs> they, yeah. they reach a certain threshold of being cute. And then all of a sudden, you know, just like how everybody would do the. Do you want to build a snowman? Oh you know, yeah. like it was funny yeah. for a while. And then it's just like, oh my gosh. You know, it's funny though. It's like people. Well, okay. So spider pan's always been talking about, you know, I'm going to get you watching Disney movies because he does a Disney podcast. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, I'm going to get you on. We're going to get you on the Neverland podcast. We're going to talk about Disney movies. And I said, no, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> nothing against you, man. I just cannot watch modern day Disney movies as much anymore. I can't either. And I actually don't watch a whole lot of animated movies in general. I have gotten into a little bit of the DC universe animated stuff Mm -hmm. just because that's kind of the world I live in right now. But you're a superhero. 
I am a superhero. I okay. don't know if you knew this. Miss Ice. Well, fantastic. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> I didn't know you were actually like in the world of fighting crime. I'm I'm kind of like a close cousin, maybe like a second cousin to Killer Frost. Oh. But I'm not I'm not as deadly. I more just look intimidating. I didn't know you knew Caitlin. Oh yeah. Well, fantastic. Oh yeah. She's cool. I Animated agree with you. I, I I will watch like Young Justice to go with your DC reference mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like the new Voltron is fantastic. But other yes. than that, it's like, okay. uh, yeah, I can't get into those. In fact, we watched some animated movie recently too. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like when is this going to be over? Yeah. And it is just, it's difficult for me to get, to, I don't know what it is because like I look back at old animated Disney movies and there's, even if I hadn't seen them, there's something very different about them. Oh, entirely. I've told you my theory on this, right? No, I think it's when, Inanimate objects are personified in ways that humans should act or not even in inanimate objects, but like non humanoid creatures. That's when I have the most problems like cars. Cars is like what started it for me Uh. when when the car started falling in love. I was like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) I mean, this is there's nothing I can relate to here. I mean, you're a car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, and that's when I knew I was kind of probably too old to be watching that. And I have an imagination. So it's not that I don't have an imagination, but my imagination just doesn't work in the same way that other people's imaginations do. So I just say, all right, I can't do it. Sure. Maybe that's what it is for me too. Things seem to be so overacted when it comes to animation. Like the voice acting is way overdone. Now, we, t- we said we were going to have Andrea Deck on and Lee Steven on this week, but that will actually be coming next week. So we will talk about voice acting. Maybe this is something I should ask. Oh, that's a great idea. Andrea is do they make you overact? Because when I do voice acting, a lot of times, of course, I haven't done any like official voice acting. But when I do voice over stuff, a lot of times the request is be yourself as much as possible. Even if you're doing a voice, just be yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't overdo it. I don't know. I hear that in animation. Like, for example, uh, Secret Life of Pets. I liked the movie, but some of the voice acting, I was like, wait, that was who? And the main person I went, oh my gosh, I had no clue that that was that actress and it yeah. didn't sound anything like her, which yeah. I don't and know if know, that's good or bad. Maybe the one exception to that is when you can get actors like Steve Carell yeah. or the great Robin Williams as the genie in Aladdin yeah. was intentionally overdone. I mean, that character exactly. was supposed to be over the top. So yes. it, it totally fit. And Steve Carell as Gru in yeah. Despicable Me, it totally fit the character. Yep. There's just times when things are overdone for no other reason than it seems like they're trying too hard or something. Big Hero 6. I felt like a lot of the voices in that were way, 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 way pushed and overdone. And they were normal people. It wasn't like they were trying to be the genie in Aladdin, for example. Interesting. And like, okay, so you know I do a lot of gaming. And yep. well, all of the games now, for that matter, are voiced over. To me, I don't feel like I'm listening to somebody forcing something that's so awkward. I feel like I'm actually like really listening to a real person. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but well, again, aren't you listening to a real person? Well, exactly. But like, okay, you brought up the something should be overdone. So there's one voice actor that I know that does a ton of voices. He's done um, Andronicus in Star Wars, The Old Republic. If you play that game, you know who I'm talking about. He's one of the companions. He has this really amazing, deep. Um, it's just a, it's a, like soothing voice. But then he also does in Guild Wars 2, Ritlock, who plays a, it's a char. It's this, uh, it's a different creature. Let's put it that way. If you never played the game, but it's the same voice. It's a little more emphasized. And then they took it and they lowered it like an octave. Mm. So it sounds like it's this booming beast that's talking, you know, and I'm like, you would never have recognized it was this guy. And then I heard it was, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, 
that's that's Steve. I think his name is Steve Bloom. And I went, oh my gosh, this is the same guy. <laughs> and I went, but now I can hear it now that I'm listening for it. But it was intentionally done that way because it's this giant, you know, eight foot beast. Oh yeah. So yeah. So so like yeah, sort of. I don't know. Would you call that auto tuning? You're auto tuning a just changing the pitch. A regular voice, yeah. So yeah. changing the, the pitch, octave, yeah. And that and that would make sense because you you need a slightly distorted tone, or you need a slightly higher pitch tone than somebody who can actually. So you you, you choose the actor who you think personifies the character you want to portray. Yeah, and then you know how you need to change their voice so that it becomes a little less human, but but still has that human characteristic. Yeah, totally. Or even, for example, there's another game where uh, this voice actor's in tons of stuff. I mean, he's been in Star Wars, the like the Clone Wars, and I think he's in Rebels, and you know, he's been in a lot of the main cartoon animated kind of things that you hear. He's in Voltron. He's in a ton of games, and eventually you start to hear him. You're like, oh my gosh, that's that's that same guy. Well, he changes his voice only based on the personality of the character. He's not trying to change the sound of his voice necessarily, and he's not trying to, you know, over exaggerate it. He's just trying to make it change for the the character's personality. So one of the characters I played in a game, this guy was super cocky and he came across that way. (laughs) His voice inflection came across super cocky. Uh huh. So, you know, like that to me is some excellent voice acting. But I don't know. I wonder if, you know, people who do typically they just act in front of the camera when they go and do an actual voice acting. I wonder if they just don't have the same level of training as people who only do voice acting. And so they just don't know how to portray the character without just going over the top. That seems very accurate because I mean, even in radio and podcasting, you learn really quickly that listeners can't see what you're doing. (laughs) And so you can't rely on facial expressions and you can't rely on hand gestures in order to drive a point home. Right. And that is like any kind of screen theater acting is, is like it's the whole persona, but you don't have to be the whole persona for something that's animated. You only have to be the voice. So you have to accompany something that already exists. Yeah. When I was hosting at Heroes and Villains Fan Fests, Jason Cabassi would come up to me and say, "Where, where's the real Brian energy? And I mean, I still had a lot of energy, so it's not like I sucked, but it just it wasn't <laughs> the same. And I said, oh, I don't know. That's a, that's a great question. He goes, I want you to be the real Brian. Like, let's rock it, man. And it was the weirdest thing. It's like getting up on stage in front of people was different than getting behind a microphone, totally. obviously. And I wasn't afraid or nervous, really. It was just more of a, huh, what do I do that's different? But that's I think that's exactly what you're saying is that I'm trying to portray all of my body language, you know, through my voice when I'm behind a microphone versus when I'm in person, they can see me. Yeah. So I don't. Right. Because there's there's a physical component to being excited. Yeah. That you don't have to try very hard to do when you're sitting behind the mic. (laughs) I could be like Stephen Wright, the comedian. Hey, guys. So excited. I've got, you know, Stephen Amell here. Yay. Just walk Woo. off. <laughs> that would be awesome. Boom. Oh, mic dropper. Man. See, we just learned something new. Isn't that amazing? Right. I'm, I'm impressed. It goes right along with what you have found your Enneagram to be. Mm. Was it Daphne Scott who yep. recommended you take this? Yeah. So it's and- so funny. I'd never heard of the Enneagram for some reason. And so I'd never done it, obviously. Enneagram, I think, is only $12. I did a, you know, a shortened version of it because it's like, here, take a free one to see, you know, if you like this or not. And then if you want to do the whole one, 
here's right. the link to it. So that's what I did. And I actually, I do want to go take the whole one because I think it would give me some very interesting things. But yeah, the Enneagram, oh my gosh, I, I will tell you this about this. I've done a lot of personality tests. I've looked into a lot of personality tests. I think this is hands down if not the best or most accurate one that I've taken, it's really close. It's one of the top two or three contenders and not just in the sense of that. It's making, you know, it's like painting my picture like, Oh, I'm this personality type. Cause it's kind of like, well, duh. What I really liked is it goes into an exceptional amount of detail about your personality. It does a lot of kind of explanations and and, uh, almost examples of what personalities look like, but then it'll also tell you, there's a section in there that says, you know, like you can relate with this person. So if you're looking at like business partnership or relationship, marriage, something like that, it'll talk about, you know, how you relate to this personality type. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's another one in there, which is very interesting. And it's what they call the misinformation or the miss. What is it? Misidentification, I think is actually what it's called where you might. So for example, I took it and I came out as a seven, which is called the enthusiast, which makes sense. And then I had like a wing of eight, which was the, I believe the challenger, which is the one that's like, you know, the, the, the leader, the captain of the ship. But I gotta be honest. I think that was more out of like wishful thinking. I Uh think some of the answers that I I gave, I was like, man, that's what I would like to be. And I think I am. But then when I was reading it, I went, well, maybe that's what I'd like to grow towards, but I don't think that's really who I am right now. Very, very much. Well, and I think that's what the Enneagram does is that it, it tells you, when you are experiencing growth, you tend more toward blah, blah, blah. And when you are under stress, you tend more toward whatever. Well, see, but that and, was different. The wing was actually not a growth factor. It was more of a. Yeah, but I'm secondary. saying like because of those wings or because of those growth and stress factors, you tend to see yourself in what your wing becomes. And that is your growth. Like that's who you want to be. Sure. Although a seven's growth is actually nothing like an eight. You're, you're, the growth is a one, isn't it? No, the, no, that's the stress. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. The one is a stress. And I think five, to be completely honest, was the growth. Cause I think it was the, you know, be a little more serious or, or I see. And I don't remember, I didn't do a whole lot of research on that. So first of all, the enthusiast without going into too much detail, it's my personality. It's like, you've got 50 interests, you know, you're curious, you're extroverted, you're the life of the party. You love people. I mean, yeah, that's me. There's a lot more to it. It said something about if you are not growing, you move towards the one for a seven. That is, and it's not to say ones are bad. It's to say for a seven, a one is bad. This is where the misidentification came in, which I found super interesting is that if you are a one, you will rarely, if ever identify with any of the attributes of a seven. And because I was reading the one and I thought, oh my gosh, this explains a lot of me. Yeah. So I actually thought, well, maybe I'm a one. And then it said, but you'll never relate to being a seven at all. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense because I actually relate to being a seven like almost entirely. But then it said, if you're a seven, you will misidentify as a one frequently Mm. because of, and it said, you know, like extended or I think it said prolonged and extreme periods of stress or negative scenarios or situations in life, which I've gone through. And so a lot of times they'll say, A seven is this happy-go-lucky person. You know, they're always bringing smiles to people's faces, but when they go through an extremely stressful situation or prolonged stress or whatever, they'll find themselves moving towards becoming a one because the, the, basically the light, you know, the fire that's burning in the seven gets stifled and snuffed out. And all of a sudden you just kind of are discouraged. And so you just fight for causes, even though sevens will have causes and they'll have missions. And like, I want to help the world. 
but they'll do it in a very different way. Whereas the ones are what they were saying is if a seven becomes more like a one, they become pessimistic. Whereas a true, a true one will become super principled and focused, which is a good thing. That's the other thing I love about this test is that they go into the positives and the negatives of each personality. You know, you're in that growth stage. You're becoming more mature, whatever your personality is. And if you're in the not so growth stage, you're becoming not so nice to be around. Well, I don't think it's that you're becoming the other one is that it's more that you exhibit some behaviors of the other one because your your primary personality doesn't really change. It's just when when you're experiencing growth, you kind of exhibit some of these other characteristics that also misidentify you, but not in a bad way. None, none of it is in a bad way. It just kind of helps to describe why you sometimes feel like you're all over the place or where your personality is changing. I took the test several years ago. I've always been a five and it goes right along with my Myers-Briggs. I'm an INTJ. Not that that means anything to you, <laughs> Brian, but <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I think you would really enjoy the results of the Myers-Briggs because it does very much the same thing as the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. The reason that I am bringing this up is last summer, my mom and I were kind of convinced that our personalities had changed just because of all the life stuff that had been happening that really just made us feel like we were out of place in our own bodies. And so we were like, let's retake the personality tests that we've taken before. Yeah. And hers did change a little bit. Her, her Myers-Briggs did change just like, I think one letter, but mine didn't except for my Enneagram. And, and I, I I went from a five to more of a one Mm. after reading a, a little bit about them. And I, and I should say like, I didn't pay for that test, so it's one of the, it's one of those like there there are multiple ways to take a free test, and yeah. some of them are clearer than others in how you yeah. answer questions. One of them you can take asks everything in triplicate negative, yes, words. You know, it's I like saw that one. I never do not <laughs> do yeah. this, yeah. and partly do I never do not do this. <laughs> I'm like I don't what? even know what I'm answering right now. <laughs> this good so, test. <laughs> I mean, take take it with a grain of salt if you. It'll probably get you close, but if you're super interested in it, always just pay for the test. I mean, if if you've ever taken, we've compared our strengths finders before and, Mm -hmm. and that one has been so transformative to me, Mm -hmm. but so has Myers-Briggs and Enneagram because they're so interesting in how they help you understand things about yourself that you, I shouldn't say you, they've helped me understand things about myself that I've always thought were bad things. And I've been like annoyed with my own personality until I've I've understood them in the context of a bigger picture. Sure. And the more that I read about a one, I realized it's not it's not like my personality changed, but it's when I'm not being creative. It's like when I'm when I'm not oh, writing, yeah. when I'm not being when I'm not exercising the creative side of my brain, I no longer am a problem solver. I become a reformer. Mm-hmm. I try to maintain the status quo. I become very principled and everything becomes very logistic because I need order in order to get through it. As soon as the creative juices start flowing again, that's when I become a five and become more dynamic inside of that same set of personality traits. So the Enneagram for me is a little bit less consistent than the Myers-Briggs, even though they both, I think the Myers-Briggs is just more comprehensive. There's a reason, at least for me, Going, I mean, obviously you just shared your reason is that you were wondering like, oh my gosh, did my personality change due to these circumstances? I was starting to ask that question too, because when I'm in a group of people, I got to tell you, like, I just love lighthearted surface level conversation a lot, 
but I don't mind deep conversation. I don't mind getting into it. Really. Obviously we do it here on the show, but most of the time I just want to crack jokes, make people laugh and just have a freaking good time. You know, like by the time you're done, you're so exhausted from having so much fun. Like that's just the best me. You and I've had a lot of conversations and I think, you know, I, I appreciate you give me feedback a lot because you write the blog posts. You, you pay attention to the show. You critically listen. You know, you'll, you'll share things once in a while. It says, well, you know, Brian, you went on off, off on a rant today or that was a little bit soapboxy or that was a little negative. I'm not sure how that's going to come across. And there have been times in the past where I've gone back and either deleted, you know, those sections of the episode. And I'm like, you know what? That doesn't need to go public. <laughs> Let's just not go there. You know, years ago, again, before going through all of the stressful stuff that I went through. I would be like, Hey, whatever, let's, let's go encourage somebody. Or, you know, like there'd be some road rage situations and I'd just be like, whatever, everybody, you know, we're good. Let's just, let's just keep moving forward. You know, I'm I'm happy. Things are fine. I'm going to encourage somebody like somebody's pissed off and I'm going to encourage them out of that anger. And I always did. And then when all the bad stuff happened, I would try to encourage people out of something or I would try to, you know, bring a smile and it's like, I kept failing. And a lot of that was because my cup was empty. People can see through it. They, you know, the encouragement all of a sudden isn't, it's not genuine anymore. Uh, and so what's amazing is like that quote charm, that encouragement, whatever just didn't work. And so all of a sudden I got very frustrated and I'd be mm-hmm. like, I am not changing things for the better. And I used to be able to do that. What's wrong with me? So then I got super negative and almost cynical and it became this thing where, you know, like for example, what's that new statement that I've been using lately? You can't fix stupid. That's not positive. <laughs> That's not even remotely empowering to anybody. That's just an, it's like an admission of the fact that we suck and that's, that does suck. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. And so I was like, what is wrong with me? Why have I gotten so negative? And it's like, I have that, that desire so much to still change the world and be an encouragement, you know? Um, and yet I find myself just getting frustrated with status quo. I think that's why when Daphne was talking about the Enneagram. I thought, you know, maybe this will give me a little more insight where the disc test didn't, for example, or even strengths mm-hmm. finder didn't. We're all so unique that we carry these same traits out in very different ways. I like what you said earlier too, about how, you know, when you are being creative and giving yourself the time that you personally need, like that whole self care thing, right? Mm-hmm. You embrace more of the five, which brings out great things. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I, I really like that you said that because that's it's very similar to exactly the way I am as a quote seven, probably my entire life. <laughs> I mean, honestly, as I'm reading kind of objectively, as I'm reading the definition of an enthusiast in this Enneagram, I'm almost laughing because it is the most diverse. It's almost like a renaissance person. <laughs> completely diverse, completely all over the place. Like there is most people would look at this and go, I don't even understand this. It makes no sense. I can't wrap my hands around something. So I'm, as I'm reading this, I'm laughing because I'm like, that has been my experience. My entire life is that people who are not already sevens, they don't know how to relate to sevens very well, which mm-hmm. makes complete sense now to me. It didn't at the time, of course. So what did they try to do? They tried to fit me in their box. They tried to make me more like them. And as a seven, it's like, Oh, well, okay. Because, you know, I've got 50 different interests and I can chameleon myself and I'm a renaissance person. So, oh, you know, yeah, I'll be a musician and I'll, I'll go into the musician field and I'll do all that. Oh, okay. I'll go over here and I'll learn how to roast coffee. And now I'm going to go into the coffee profession. And I'm going to become a coffee nerd. Oh, now I'm going to go over here and be a radio person. Oh, now I'm going to go over here and be a podcaster. Oh, now I'm going to go over here and, you know, be a fisher person. Or now I'm going to like sports and I'm going to be a nerd. And I like them all. There's nothing wrong with them. Some of these things like podcasting and, and music and some of those things I've obviously dug deep, deep, deep into, and I have no problem with that. But most of the time it's like, I will learn just enough 
to master it, but not, well, I wouldn't say master it to hold my own, I guess is the right way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like for example, I play basketball and I can do things on the court that other people can't do, but I'm not a master of basketball. I'm not going to make the team. I'm not going to go into the NBA. I'm not that good. You know, not, not even close. So I learn enough to hold my be own. dangerous. Exactly. I like that to be dangerous, but not to be the master. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, I think what has happened in my entire life is that I've, I didn't realize that all of those things encompass who I am. But what I tried to do is I tried to be one of those things to every person because mm-hmm. that's what they wanted. That's what made sense to them. And so I never oh. really embraced who I was my entire I think life. I see where you're going with Yeah. This. It's so crazy. And then, you know, here I am reading this Enneagram and going, Oh my gosh, no wonder I've struggled my whole life. It's right. crazy. Or, or like even with the show, well, perfect example. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, sevens get such a bad rap because for me, it's always been that uh, it's hard to trust the sincerity because you yourself are not that way. When I have highs and lows, they're really extreme. But for the most part, I consider myself a pretty steady person. Mm-hmm. And I intentionally don't allow myself to get excited about things because I know that <laughs> like, I, I won't always be able to match that same high. So I can get up there and I can have fun up there, but I'm not going to stay up there because I know I can't maintain that. Sure. (laughs) And so, but because I'm that way, you know, you automatically perceive that other people can't be that way either. I mean, that's how my personality works. When I was reading about your Enneagram, I'm like, oh, this is really funny because it explains a lot about like why you wanted the show to be so diverse and how come a lot of people while we were doing we, while we were doing profit cast, I consider myself a part of that. <laughs> you were part of the team for sure. Yeah, absolutely. While you were journeying through profit cast and I was along for the ride, there was, there were, everybody was telling you, you got to niche down, man. You got to find your oh, niche yeah. and you, you just got to be there because, you know, it's so saturated and blah, blah. But it's like, you know, if you're not getting paid for it, if it is like a desire to earn money, but blah, blah, blah. This is, this is like a hobby that you have turned into something that you're passionate about and you just want to have fun. Nobody should stop you from wanting to have fun in whatever way you want to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> but people with their words and not understanding what these different personality types are in the realm of something that is automatically a creative realm is just mind-boggling to me. Oh yeah. I guess the whole point of saying this was one, it was a huge self-discovery. Also, it's a good call to action for each of us to one, first of all, I think it's a great idea to know not just know your personality, but know the nuances of it, know the the potential negatives and the potential positives. And, but then also know how to more move towards that positive side, the growth side of your personality so that you can make the most difference in this world. And I don't think most people ever even consider looking at personalities and then trying to read about everyone else's personalities too, because how many times do we hear all the time? Well, I don't understand that person or I don't understand men or women or I don't get it. Why do people act like this? Because you yeah. don't, you don't listen and like you don't we, bridge. We, give up, for, we yeah. give up so quickly. Yeah. When you take the time to ask someone about their personality before you get annoyed or before you just give up and say, I don't understand them. Use a point of reference. Take that extra time, maybe 25 bucks and take an Enneagram or take the Myers-Briggs and understand yourself. But then before you just write someone off, Ask them about something that you can relate to. And then like you can use the results of your own personality test to understand how you interact with others. A lot of times it'll be really specific about sometimes you won't get along with a blah, 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 because they like to do this and you like to do that. But there are ways around this. Well, and I think if we all sought to understand, you know, each other's personalities better, 
so many problems would just be averted. So many. Right. Because you, you have so much more grace for people that you understand. And, and oh, what yeah. is so cool about these personality tests is that it encourages you to act within your personality and stop trying to be like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> it gives you so much freedom to just be yourself, but, but it also doesn't give you an excuse to be the worst parts of yourself. Yeah. Honestly, it's freeing. It is freeing. I have to share something here that I thought was really cool. You know, we did the Harry Potter episode last week, a little bit about JK Rowling, which I, I did not know this about her. These were words that describe JK Rowling failure, rejection, domestic abuse, divorce, clinical depression, single mother living on welfare and debating suicide. I didn't know that what happened. Oh, well, she becomes the first author to become a billionaire within a five-year period. She went to these various cafes, actually took her kid with her. They were running around and they, she'd go to these different cafes and she would write the manuscript to the Sorcerer's Stone, but she directed all of her energy into this and said, you know what? I'm just going to do this. She was rejected by numerous publishers to get that out there. And then of course one said, sure, this is a great idea. Let's do this. And you know, the rest is history in that sense. But it was just an amazing story that I, I had read about, you know, with persistence and passion and relentless commitment. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a reminder to all of us that, you know, if JK Rowling before she put out Harry Potter and got rejected multiple times too, it's just, she's debating suicide. I'm not worth anything. Look at what she created. Mm-hmm. But if she had never done that, so don't settle, don't quit, never give up. And that's just a good reminder. I mean, I I remind myself that all the time because there are days I go by where I'm like, I don't know if I'm making any difference in this world. I have no idea. Of course, that's my personality too, is I want, (laughs) I want to make a difference. I'm not just like, oh, whatever, you know, but yeah, it's a good reminder. It's a great story. And I mean, uh, Stephen King has a very similar story. His, I know a little bit better just because I've read his autobiography, but very similar situation with Carrie his probably most well-known book, unless you want to go with it <laughs> also rejected by so many publishers. And he had a very, very rough young adult life. So success isn't final, but uh, failure is fatal or something. Perceiving failure can be the thing that stops us. Hmm. But what is important is that you keep pressing on because that's what we do as human beings as we press on and we reprioritize And for J.K. Rowling, it was deciding that Sorcerer's Stone and Harry Potter was going to be it for her. And she saw something in that and took a stand. But not everybody is going to have that same success story. And I think it's equally important to acknowledge that there are plenty of other avenues or or outlets in life that don't come with the type of success that we see a lot of these stories come out of. You know, most of the, the greatest success stories you'll never hear because it's a it's a single mom who was able to send her kid to college. Mm-hmm. You know, you know something like something not significant in the literature realm, but totally 100% significant to that kid who got to go to college. Oh yeah. And it's not about the success that you can measure in on social media. It's about what you can measure with other people. You know, Sarah Sorry. and I are watching Last Chance You on Netflix. Have okay. you seen that? Nope. Oh, I think you'd like it. It's about football. And oh, so there you go. I think you, I would like it. Yeah. Uh, and I honestly, like I'd never heard of these people. Granted, I'm sure some of them might become okay. famous and all, but the first season of this was this, basically what it was, was college students, college football players who got kicked out of their college for various reasons. And so it was a, well, you're not going to play for, you know, the NCAA. 
You may never have a shot again. And a lot of these people too, mm-hmm. not all of them, but a lot of them didn't even like what's, what's their, what's their backup plan? You know, because if they're not going to play football and they're going to get kicked out of their school, well then what are they going to get an education? Are they going to find work or are they going to go and live on the streets? Are they going to deal dope? Are they going to, you know, what, what's going to happen here? East Mississippi community college. It's a community college. It's basically what they call the last chance university for many of these these athletes and students that are trying to kind of get themselves back together so they can get back into, you know, a full college and, you know, have a future. But most of these people, I mean, I would say none of them you've heard of. So it's not like they're famous. They may never become famous, but what's the victory here? Playing football? Possibly. But what's the secondary victory? Learning discipline, learning consistency, dedication, persistence, having mm-hmm. an education, like actually learning something so they can go out and contribute to society and also, you know, not repeat what some of these people's families had done. Like one guy, you know, his dad shot his mom and then shot himself. And so he had that to deal with. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you don't want to repeat that, what are you going to do about it? What's your backup plan? So it's it, you're right. I mean, they may never go on to be an NFL star. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But just the victory of not repeating what his parents did and the victory of, of learning his own victory. Like, I can do this. I can win at something. I can actually, you know, I am smart. I'm not stupid. I can get an A in a class. I can go out there and, and make a life for myself and impact those around me. Like, that's a mm-hmm. huge victory. And nobody ever may know that person famously. But wow. Right. Live like no one's watching. Yeah. Is that kind of that? sort of thing. It's like once once you start thinking that success can only be measured by what people can see is the moment you've lost. Yeah. And it's so important for us individually to be able to find ways that that we can take part of the world where it it doesn't come down to people recognizing what we've done. Because mm-hmm. it's nothing that we can take with us. And I think celebrating those small wins too, I think we Yeah. I I'm terrible with that. Yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. I'm always like, well, you know, when I get to this point, what if I never get there? (laughs) Right. Like what if I get hit by a car before then? Like, well, that sucked. Yeah. So yes. And (laughs) and goals are great. Goals are fantastic. And I am, I am a terrible goal setter. And I think a lot of it comes from just like a fear of not being able to meet it or not having the motivation to meet my goals. Mm -hmm. But goals are great, but striving toward things that you want are good, but understanding that there will be victories along the way yeah. that may or may not bring you to where you want to be. Like you, you've just got to, you've got to find contentment in every stage so that you're not disappointed when, yeah. <laughs> when slash if you don't get what you want, that sounds super cynical and it's coming from a five. So if you know, <laughs> well, and I, it, does that sound cynical or does it, does it kind of, resonate? I know exactly where you're going with this. And I think to be fair to like some okay. people may get what they want per se. Yeah. And I think most of us, it, it's going to look different. Yeah. I think that's it is. A, that's a great way to put it. It's yeah. going to look different. And so don't like, don't be disappointed if, if what that looks like is different than how you re- originally saw it because dreams need to change based on your reality. Totally. I mean, they're, and maturity. Immaturity yeah. and circumstances, totally. you know, terrible things can happen and, and derail your plans. And so you stop and adjust and reassess yeah. and that dream changes a little bit. Doesn't make the other dream. I mean, maybe the other dream becomes unattainable at that point, but it doesn't mean or unnecessary that, or. Unne- yeah. Yeah. 
but it doesn't make you any less, I don't, I don't want to say worthy, but any less special or any less meaningful so because you had to change your dream. Dude, I wanted to be an MBA like. star when I was a kid. <laughs> Not going to happen. An, an M, MBA or N? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you've done the MBA. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The NBA. Oh, man. Uh, I totally am right there with you. I wanted to play soccer. Yeah. And then my knees. Well, then I wanted to be a rock musician, a professional mm. rock musician, which I had a, I had a little bit of a life on that. But here's the thing. Okay, I'm young. I'm like, man, I want to tour the world and be a music, professional musician. Then I got into radio and I started interviewing professional musicians and I got to hear about what the life was really like. Oh. And I went, oh, heck no, I don't want to be that. <laughs> no yeah. way. That dream is gone. That's a yeah. bad idea. You know, you, you brought up, you know, things change with with circumstances, with maturity. But here's something I don't think a lot of people think about. And this is something that Sarah brought up that she had heard recently that I, I didn't even think about this until she brought it up. Like it's something we dealt with, but she said, when people get married, here's my box of dreams, hopes, and desires. <laughs> and boom, yeah. I give it to you when I get married or when we get married, right? Here you go. And you need to fulfill every one of these. You need to meet all my expectations or else. Well, then that person that I marry brings me their box with the exact same thing mm-hmm. with the same demands. It's impossible. You mm-hmm. cannot Like there's no way that that's ever going to work. So the whole idea is saying, okay, well, here's my box, but you know what? Things are going to change. So maybe I can say, well, here are some things that I'd like to consider, but I need to get rid of that box. I need to Mm -hmm. burn it. It's not about me anymore. It's not about what I want. It's not about my expectations or desires. It's about what's best for us now. It's about what's best for those around us. Wow. When she shared it like that, I was just like, Oh my yeah. gosh, that makes That's so a much great sense. Way to put yeah, it's kind of like you both have to just take your boxes and dump them out on the floor and be like, all right, let's make a new box. Exactly. <laughs> one, that, one that we do together. What hurts the most is when you see people sacrificing people for dreams. Yeah. Relationships, community, being close to people, having those sorts of connections that keep you grounded are so much more important than dreams. Mm-hmm. We've lost the ability in this culture to change our dreams not because we are changing ourselves but because the people around us affect us yeah and it's not a bad thing and it's just like roll with the punches you know whatever cliche you want to use it but not in that in like the negative way that we often perceive having to sacrifice dreams yeah sacrifice is even the wrong word but i'm not coming up with a better word but just like we yeah we replace or or enhance or modify modify yeah Things have got to change in in a very dynamic world. When you end up sacrificing people in order to achieve your dream, then you're letting go of something that could have meant much, much more to you mm-hmm. than, I mean, going to Paris or something, whatever well, that dream yeah. was. And, and I, yeah, I've seen so many people, especially even recently, you know, who have quote, had their dreams shattered, you know, well, this was my right. dream and I couldn't do it and I had to sacrifice it. And now they're like, I mean, black clouds hanging over them. You know, they're depressed, yeah. they're angry, they're bitter. And I mean, and every day, every time I see them, they're getting worse and worse. What if there was a different type of way? Like you said, maybe this, this dream wasn't necessarily a good dream, or maybe this would have been a good idea to modify, or maybe, you know what I mean? Like, I, again, it's mm-hmm. like having a little flexibility. It's being open to it. And I, I don't think a lot of people are, it, again, it goes back to that. Here's my box, meet it or else. Right. Well, and, and we get wrapped up in those things because they're, there are things that we think we can measure and it's it's really difficult to measure oh, yeah. the status of a, of a relationship or the, the impact of a relationship or the effect of an, an, a relationship. And so it's really hard to 
to justify that in our minds. Like, do I mm-hmm. take this person or do this really cool experience? And, you know, sometimes it's, it's bigger than just an experience. Like I, I used going to Paris, but I would say like in JK Rowling's case, it was writing the book, mm-hmm. but she, she did not sacrifice the relationship with her child because totally. of it. You know, yes. and that's and that's like that is the crux of it. She she took her kid along with mm-hmm. or along on that journey and and is all the better for it. Oh, yeah. But it's not easy because that's how it goes. Right. It's not easy. Yeah. Do you remember the the old Dennis Quaid movie, The Rookie? Basically, it's a guy who's married, has a couple kids or something. And um, his students realize that he has quite the arm on him and he begins to have exposure into the minor leagues and the major leagues, you know, being able to get his, get his chance later in life to be a pitcher on the big stage. As you're watching him go through this process, you see that he has to sacrifice family and he's away from home a lot. Doesn't, doesn't meet certain expectations of his kids, misses important milestones and ultimately makes a decision about his career that doesn't necessarily fulfill the dream he had when he first wanted to be a pitcher. <laughs> yeah. But but now as a mature adult with a family making a decision based on his new dream. It's like the most perfect representation of this whole thing. It's yeah. like our our circumstances change us and yeah. and to ignore the changes is just silly. Oh yeah. We we have all got to realize that our lives change year to year in yeah. sometimes in drastic ways, sometimes in minor ways. Sometimes it's just you're getting a little bit older and can't do the things that you used to be able to do. Sometimes it's a death or someone that you thought was going to be there for a, a much longer time and is <laughs> no longer there and having to just make a course correction. Be totally. like, all right, now that that person isn't there anymore or now that I'm a little bit older. Yeah, circumstances happen to you. And then, of course, we also make yep. choices. And I think a lot of times, just like you were saying, when the circumstances happen to you, part of you is believing, well, nothing's changed. Actually, yes, it has. Or if you've made a choice, we talked about like the marriage and the relationship thing. You made a choice to get into a relationship. Things have changed and you have to work with it. So it's like things can't be the same if you make choices or if circumstances happen to you. You and I were talking about this, which I think you and I should talk about on our next show together, which we're going to do in a few weeks. This idea of how you know, we're looking at commitment in, in, uh, you know, not just in relationships, but like friendships or even professional commitments and stuff like that. And how that also relates to like community and, you know, the level of commitment and the level of depth and community. And one of the things we were talking about was like, well, with technology and social media and people are, you know, staring at their phones instead of at each other, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's causing problems. It's actually one of the biggest destroyers of community and of commitment and that kind of thing. Um, but I love what you said, you know, before we started doing the show as well, that's the world we live in. So we can't change it. What are we Mm going to do to, you know, now that it's, what are we going to do to manage it? What are we going to do to respond to it now rather than saying, well, I just hope it doesn't exist and let's go move to Amish country. Right. Well, and I think one of the thing, one of the traps that we all fall into is that we immediately see something wrong and we, we have to change it. We have to change everyone and everything about it. Yes. And that, that, that is what every television show is trying to get us to do. It's what every political segment is trying to get us to do. They're trying to change everything. And like this whole conversation, what have we been talking about? We've been talking about how personality (laughs) drastically affects your interactions with people. And unless you're meeting them at a level where they can connect with you, you've already lost. Totally. You know, it's funny because like Martin, the flash brought up, um, are you going to be doing a sci-fi November episode and what's it all about? And I'm like, no, it's just sci-fi November is for me. It's my thing. It's my little, 
you know, piece of joy that I do. And I don't even know why it started. It is what it is. But I talk about it because it's something I nerd out about. But mm-hmm. I don't need to try to convince anyone else to do Sci-Fi November with me. You know, going to your point, like it's just a little fun thing. But it's like, no, it's just my thing. I talk yeah. about it. That's it. Well, and the and the great thing about that is when you have a platform like this, you share about it, share what you do, and say if you want to join me, go on. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really just like a it's chance fun. to geek out. I mean, the, people also call uh, November the writing month. You know, people try to write as many words yeah. as they can every day for a month, and you know, so there there are a lot of things that go into every month and. Sci-fi November is as good as they come. I mean, totally. who wouldn't want to just, you know, <laughs> immerse yourself in science fiction? No, and honestly, it still has balance. It's, I don't even, again, I can't explain it. It's just something that's fun. But it's like, no, shave November. It's diabetes awareness month. I mean, there's <laughs> oh, yeah. so many things no going on. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, well, uh, you know, no shaving of the legs and the armpits, and I'm not going to shave my neck. I'm just going to shave the face. Okay. Grow the that, neck beard. I, um, uh, no, yeah. no, no, I'll, no. I, I don't think I'll I can do it. sending Sarah some sympathy texts. <laughs> I can't do it. Sorry, babe. I'm sorry. Part, <laughs> part of it is I can't, I can't let the thing grow for Sarah's reason, but also I just can't stand it. Like it gets to a certain length and I'm just like itchy and I'm like, nah, yeah. I got to trim the beard, but I don't like to shave shave anymore. So I won't actually full shave because it burns the skin. So mm-hmm. I'm, it's still no shave. It's trim November for me. Oh yeah. I understand. Hey, oh, there's, I- there's a lot of square footage for me to shave and it's just like, <laughs> I'm talking about my legs, people. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> oh gosh! All I could picture was a Wookie. No, <laughs> totally kidding. I know. I've, I thought you would like that. Yeah, that's funny. Okay, speaking of Stranger Things, that is a no. Strange don't thing. tell me. No, have you watched anything yet? I haven't watched any of season two because my cousins okay. have been sick. Okay. Okay. So don't tell me anything. No, I won't. I won't. I was going to ask no, if no, you've no, seen no, the no, first no. episode and, oh. and what you thought of no. it, but I will tell you this. I liked the first episode. However, I've heard okay. mixed reviews and I don't know why, but I'm not going to read anything. So just go watch yep. and enjoy yourself. Since it's sci-fi November, I was thinking about just wearing Star Trek uniforms around every day. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. People yeah. will totally look at you in a very normal way. Totally. So. Or, or like dressed up as a, a stormtrooper or a bounty hunter or something, just walking around or maybe just having a lightsaber hanging off, you know, my, my Do belt. You mean- so okay. you're, you know, like you don't shave and well, you wear sci-fi stuff. I mean, wouldn't that be? No, maybe I could, not. I, I could go as a Wookiee. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> you don't shave for a month. <laughs> oh, I, it, no, trust my hair me. doesn't grow that fast. No, don't worry. And it doesn't grow like that. So you're good. You're, yeah. you're okay. set. All right. Well, hey, thank you, Miss Ice. This was so much hey, fun. It was so much fun. Thanks yeah. for having me on. We're going to get you back and we'll have some fun. But uh, do read Miss Ice's blog posts on the Real Brian Show, because if you don't, she will hunt you down with her bowcaster and uh, roar at you. Ice you. What? Or ice you. That's what well, you don't have a bowcaster. You just use your hands. I just use my hands. Do you, do you shoot like icicles my... from your eyes? Yep. Awesome. No, from my fingertips, not from my eyes. Weirdo. See, that's actually, that would be kind of cool. It would be like, you look at them and it's like, <laughs> like he's vision. so cool. Yes. Yeah. Except okay. it's ice I, vision. I'm totally on board with that. Dude. And I'd have to wear special glasses, you know, so that, it doesn't always shoot out of my eyes. Well, it wouldn't be like Cyclops. Like you could well, turn it on or off. that's where I was going. I was like Cyclops. No, no, you turn it on or off. Like, like, you mm-hmm. know, Superman, Supergirl. Heat vision, okay. except it's ice vision and you can freeze somebody ice or vision. you can shoot, you know, <laughs> like icicles and that actually like punctures them. This is really morbid. It's so awesome. Wait, what? This, um, no, I just, This is no. how we do. <laughs> this is how we roll. This is how oh we my roll. gosh. This is amazing. All right. Uh, <laughs> next week. Andrea Deck, Lee Steven joining me. We're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about uh, voice acting. And it's also, as I mentioned earlier, Diabetes Awareness Month. 
So there's some really cool stuff that's going to be happening in that conversation. Of course, it's going to be some sci-fi stuff too. So anyway, go to realbrianshow.com. Love to hear from you. I love conversation. Thanks for joining us. Real Brian, Miss Ice, signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.